Hello again, and welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast with Deborah Prinzing, episode 452. This is the weekly podcast about American flowers and the people who grow and design with them. It's all about making a conscious choice, and I invite you to join the conversation and the creative community as we discuss the vital topics of saving our domestic flower farms and supporting a floral industry that relies on a safe, seasonal, and local supply of flowers and foliage. This podcast is brought to you by slowflowers.com, the free nationwide online directory to florists, shops, and studios who design with American-grown flowers and to the farms that grow those blooms. It's the conscious choice for buying and sending flowers. And thank you to Florist Review Magazine. I'm delighted to serve as contributing editor for Slow Flowers Journal, found in the pages of Florist Review. Read our stories and more at slowflowersjournal.com. Our first sponsor thanks goes to Syndicate Sales, an American manufacturer of vases and accessories for the professional florist. Look for the American flag icon to find Syndicate's USA-made products and join the Syndicate Stars loyalty program at syndicatesales.com. Well, Mother's Day is the mother of all floral holidays. According to industry data, it's larger even than Valentine's Day. And this year, Mother's Day is unlike any floral holiday we've ever seen. February's Valentine's Day happened before the onslaught of the coronavirus for most of us. Easter was so early in that timeline that most of us were immobilized in shock or it was too early in the season to harvest much. Some of you were intrepid enough to market flowers then, but it was just the beginning of flowers during the COVID era. We've all been racing toward a specific date on the calendar, Sunday, May 10th. How are you preparing for Mother's Day? There's been a lot of discussion about what I'm calling safe, slow flowers. And through conversations with our members, I'm learning how much creativity is behind our desire to fill our customers' vases with local, seasonal, and sustainable flowers for Mother's Day. Today we have two guests who are sharing their stories of resilience for our ongoing series designed to inspire and encourage you. Now more than ever, the message of sustainability and seasonal and locally available flowers is top of mind among consumers, flower farmers, and florists. I want the Slow Flowers podcast to be a companion to those of you in isolation, away from your physical community of peers, neighbors, customers, and friends. And I believe that sharing personal stories is one powerful way to sustain ourselves and our floral enterprises. Our first guest is flower farmer Lindsay McCullough of Red Twig Farms in New Albany, Ohio, located outside of Columbus. She'll be joined by Heather Kohler, Red Twig Farms store manager. Our second portion of the episode is going to have Tara Fulker of Splints and Daisies. She's a floral designer located outside Lancaster, Pennsylvania. I wanted to chat with them all to learn how they're supplying flowers in new ways, reinventing what may have worked well during past seasons and forging ahead during less than ideal conditions. Their strategies are creative, community-minded, and designed to connect customers who care about and want seasonal blooms. Here's a bit more about Red Twig Farms. 
Owned and operated by Josh and Lindsay McCullough, Red Twig Farms is a small family-owned and operated cut flower and branch farm located in central Ohio. Their year usually begins with pussy willow branches in February and March, followed later in the spring when you can find the couple and their crew harvesting peony flowers morning to night. By fall, they're harvesting dogwood and willow branches in a variety of colors and textures for holiday containers and decor. Red Twig Farms was born in 2010, after the family bought nine acres across the street from their existing nursery. The land hadn't been farmed for two decades, and Lindsay and Josh saw an opportunity to use their horticulture background in a new venture. Red Twig Farms took time to get up and running, in part because peonies take three to five years to mature before you can completely harvest them. The farm now produces multiple varieties of peonies, dogwood, and willow branches. In 2019, they planted tulips, and you'll hear more about how things are changing with a bumper crop coming on at about the same time that Ohio asked its residents to stay at home and shelter in place due to the coronavirus pandemic. In response, Red Twig Farms launched its Spread the Hope Bouquet program to support frontline healthcare workers, and they launched the Donate a Bouquet to a Stranger campaign to share an encouragement through flowers in their community. Lindsay and Heather will share more about that project during our conversation today. Here's a bit more about Splints and Daisy's floral design. Tara Folker has been a longtime flower lover and plant geek. With the love of all things green and growing instilled in her as a young child, Tara has had her hands in the dirt and has been playing with flowers her whole life. Inspired by her family's artistic background, florals became Tara's way to express herself artistically. She strives to use only local blooms. During the growing season, Tara uses flowers from local farms, foraged vines, and botanicals grown in her own cutting garden. Recently, she embarked on the journey of growing heirloom mums with plans to expand each year. In her spare time, Tara enjoys nature even more by hiking and kayaking to her heart's content. She and her husband, Jason, are chipping away at sections of the Appalachian Trail. They live in Lancaster County with a sweet kitty named Petunia and a doodly lab named Hazel Juniper. Well, you'll want to visit today's show notes for episode 452 at deborahprinzing.com. I'll have images, links, and more resources that we discuss in today's show, including how you can find and follow both Red Twig Farms and Splints and Daisies. Let's jump right in and get started. Welcome back to the Slow Flowers podcast. I'm so excited to have two special guests today who are new to the podcast. First, we have Lindsay McCullough, who is the co-owner of Red Twig Farms in New Albany, Ohio. Hi, Lindsay. Hi, Deborah. Thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having us. You bet. And your uh, Red Twig team member who helps you on the farm, Heather, Heather Kohler. Hi, Heather. Hi, Deborah. Thanks for thanks for joining Lindsay and we're going to you're going to tag team a little bit today, right? Yeah, sounds great. <laughs> great. Well, um I just have been so impressed with what you're doing at Red Twig Farm and your branding and your social media presence and we've we've uh, been able to uh talk before for print articles but never um for the podcast and I just wanted to tell you how much I love what you're doing and I'm when I was considering, like, who can I talk with about for this Stories of Resilience series, you've been on my list, uh, Lindsay, because Red Twig uh, has definitely 
pivoted to use that overused word <laughs> and adapted. And uh, I'd love to I'd love to make sure we talk about that. But first, can you just give us a snapshot of Red Twig Farm and um, you know where you're located and what what all the facets of your business are? Um, in Red Twig Farms, we're just maybe, I'd say, 15 to 20 minutes uh, away from Columbus in a small city of New Albany. Um, we are mainly a cut flower farm of peonies, dogwoods, willow, and winterberry branches. We are just starting to um, kind of take the market, or at least our customer market, of tulips. And we hope to be adding on hydrangeas, dahlias, and a whole bunch of other summer crops to see if we can continue to give our customer base flowers for six to nine months of the year instead of just peony season. Wow. And and the the farm is kind of a family affair, isn't it? Like, tell me about how, how it came to be. Um, so I married into the farm. Uh, <laughs> Red Pig Farms was originally created to supply the family's landscape company with dogwood and willow branches for their container design. They um, also decided they needed to get another crop and peonies were all of the wedding craze during 2012 and thir- or 2011 and 2012. So they added peonies. And when I married in, we were just starting to do farmer's markets. So every weekend you would see Josh Carl, which is his dad and myself selling peonies on the street. Wow. And this is in the, mainly in the Columbus market or multiple flower farms or uh, multiple uh, farmer's markets? It was just only in Worthington, which is another little suburb of Columbus. And in doing this, when you said that, that uh, Carl and Josh, before you married into the family, were growing peonies, were they doing it for the root, the root inventory or were they actually thinking to sell cuts? They were um, going to cut, do cut sales to whole, uh, wholesalers and florists were their main customer base. They had not thought about farmer's markets. Um, Josh used to try to fill his uh, Jeep up and go around to all florists and wholesalers in Columbus Market trying to sell the peonies. So uh, it, it sounds like there's like a lot of people, you start experimenting with, with what you think your market is, and then you soon discover other channels. That's exactly. So we were finding out that during the hot summer, June, um, the peonies were opening at the farmer's market. So we were losing product. So Carl and I made a bet (laughs) that I could use social media and I could have people come to the farm where we could control the the heat of the flowers, putting them back in the cooler to keep them closed. So we made a bet the very next year, I think was 2016 that we tried this. I had 168 people show up on a Saturday. So we're like, okay, we do have a customer base. They're willing to come to us. So the next year he took the bet again and we had over 1400 people through our doors for the season opener. Wow. Along with Midwest Living Magazine that had found us on Instagram. That is insane. And this is this is also then your you have no shrink then because you can have only a small quantity on display and then you keep going into the cooler to pick pick the next bunch for the customer who's standing there with their with their hard-earned you know cash ready to hand it to you right correct wow and so how how did how did you um just handle this physically was there a like a, a structure on the farm that you could sell out of so on the farm um there's a we have our part across the street which is nine acres and then the 
uh, landscape company has 22 acres. Well, they had been a retail center at one time. And so we had a building. Wow. It was not being used. We had built our coolers in it. So we had an outlet. We just needed to see if we could get the people come to us. And that, and that, it sounds like you won the bet both of those first two years. Well, it's funny. He didn't just stop there. He continued to bet me. So in 2018, we had 2,000 people through opener day. And last year, we had 7,000 people through in two days. Wow. So it's so interesting because I've, I've included you in some, some reports and articles where I've talked about on-farm retail. And um, this sounds like a madhouse, but on the other hand, it's not taking over your lives in that you don't have to have retail every weekend. You're, you're making it kind of an event. Right. We've created what's called Peony Fest, which is always Memorial Day weekend. It's the kickoff the season. We have plants available. We have vases, flowers that are not just peonies to make your own bouquets. We have food trucks. We have live music. And then that pretty much starts the farm store season. And we will have a farm store two to three times a week until we sell out typically by the end of June. Mm, mm, that's amazing. I, I just am, I've seen the photos, you shared them with me. It's so impressive. And why do you think it's so successful? I mean, you, obviously, I want to ask you about how you use social media, but what like, you know, deep needed, you know, kind of urge did you tap into to get people so excited about driving, I don't know, a short or long distance out to Red Twig Farms? I think it was the farm experience. Mm -hmm. They actually meet the team that's harvesting the flowers. They meet the farmers. They can see where the flowers are coming from. We also let them tour the gardens. So they are more hands-on here seeing how everything goes, more than a farmer's market that you're just walking through grabbing your bouquet. Right. Like you're closer to the where the plant is in the ground. So it's different than just um, a bucket at the farmer's market. Correct. They've really enjoyed anything we have on the farm from workshops to events. People, they sell out instantly, but we have a really good customer base and they're the ones that have helped us grow. Yeah. So, well, that that social media um channel. I'm interested in that because, uh, Lindsay, you, it doesn't sound like you spent any money on advertising. I spent $20 back at the end of December on a sponsored ad for Instagram, $20. And I think it ended up bringing maybe a couple hundred followers, but it was those followers that then shared it and continued to share it to other people. And it's just been nonstop. Wait, so that was the first year that you spent the $20? Uh, no, I actually didn't do that <laughs> this year. That I, was actually this year. Oh my goodness. Wow. That's exciting. What kind of hashtags are you using? Or, you know, like, uh, obviously your peony, peonies are so beautiful. One could argue they sell themselves, but you've got to get the messaging correct. We are all about origin matters, American grown flowers knowing where your your flowers are coming from. Mm -hmm. That's a big part right now. You, We want people to know the farm, the flowers. So most of our hashtags are keeping support local and just something as simple as that. That's exciting. Are you the photographer? Most of the time, <laughs> I would say I am. 
Wow, that's exciting. Well, we'll share all your social media and um, web uh, links in today's show notes uh, at DebraPrinzing.com. So if people haven't met Red Twig Farms, they can um, take a little tour. Your website is beautiful, and it does really introduce the story of Red Twig Farms. Uh, and here we are in the coronavirus pandemic era, and you've had to make some changes. And this is what I really wanted to share with folks is like, you alluded to the fact that you were just starting to increase your crop production on tulips. Was this going to be your first year of really going big with tulips? This was our second year. Okay. Last year, we, we started with 9,000 stems or bulbs we planted. This year, or well, last fall, we planted almost 15,000 so we definitely increased, but we knew that, you know, we had the customer base again, that we thought we'd be okay with it. Were you envisioning kind of a same model as Peony Fest that you'd have some kind of, I don't know, late March to late April kind of window where you would sell uh, the tulips uh, on the farm or were you going to do something different? No, it's still the same. Um, it would be farm store where they can come and actually handpick each stem they wanted to make their bouquet or doing our weekly bouquet delivery where we deliver to the local Columbus area or they can do farm pickup. So we had planned to do that. We were just waiting for the right moment and the flowers to be ready. What, and I should stop and just say, I shouldn't have said end of March because you're probably like zone five or six, right? Um, it's zone six, but we actually didn't start till end of March. So you were Right oh, on. Okay. Wow. Okay. <laughs> so that kind of coincided with um, national uh, stay-at-home orders and no contact sales, and I don't know exactly what happened in your state, but w w like, how did this kind of catch you by you know catch you by surprise, like it caught everybody by surprise? What what was the first indication that things might have to change? I think we were just. A front of the curve of everything going on. It was Friday the 13th. We had just heard of one of our friends uh, buying some local flowers and he was going to deliver them to some of his friends just to give them a pick me up. Mm. We hadn't started a stay at home order. We hadn't done any of that. And um, I thought about it all weekend. Monday, I went to work. Um, Monday lunch break, I decided, less we've got to be innovative. You know, we've got tons of flowers and we had a staff that needed to, you know, to keep going. So we created, it was called the Donate 10 stem, Tulip Stems for $10 from a Stranger to a Stranger campaign. So that campaign actually went into effect before our home, our stay-at-home order hit Ohio. Mm -hmm. So like that Monday the 15th, you just, or 16th rather, you just cooked this thing up and posted it to get it started. That's exactly correct. The <laughs> funny part is, is that I kind of forgot to check with Josh to see what his feelings were on it. <laughs> so I had already publicly put it all over our website and our Instagram. And by the time I got to tell him about it, his words were, let me guess, you've already done it. <laughs> and I'm like, well, we just sold over 100 bouquets in an hour. So I don't think I can turn it off. Yeah, yeah, really. The train had left the station on the tulip train, at least, has left the station then. Um, yes. So is $10 a bunch of what you would typically have sold the tulips for? Um, typically, no. They would have been around $1.50 to $1.80. So we were trying to keep the staff going, but paying it forward. Mm -hmm. But we knew the budget amount for somebody to do a donation was probably around the $10 mark. Yeah. 
when you say ten a dollar fifty to a dollar eighty, you mean per stem? Per stem. Yeah, and and now you're so you kind of repackaged it as like a a, a bouquet or a bunch of like what ten stems for like a dollar a piece. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But how many, like, uh, in addition to Heather, how many other folks do you have working on the, on the farm with you? Uh, we have a crew of, I would say we're up to 10 to 12 total. Wow. Some of them have full-time jobs that work with us on evenings, off days or weekends. And then we have, I would say half of those that are here Monday through Friday, if not Saturday when needed. And you needed folks to, to harvest all these tulips. We needed, we definitely needed that. We also had a couple team members that typically had full-time jobs that had just lost their job with no chance of unemployment. So our goal was to take those employees and somehow figure out how to pay them to keep going when we had no idea what sales were going to do. Wow. That's amazing. So tell me how the, okay, the first 100 bunches of tulips were sold. How did, how did this campaign uh, you called the donation campaign, but did you have a, a branding around it? Uh, we called it um, "Spread the Hope." Okay, it was pass on, you know, something from a stranger to a stranger. Show them that we're in this together. There is hope. There is love and joy, and know that you know being in it together, you know, we'll get through. So obviously, you had to make some changes. Like uh, you changed the pricing. You had to figure out how to get people to pay online for these bouquets. And then you said you did all the deliveries? Correct. So we actually brought in some volunteers that were fans of the farm. Mm. And I think the first week we did 250 bouquets and they were delivered to four of the major areas hospitals for the frontline workers. Um, The very next week we made another 350. By the time it was all done, the campaign sold 1,011 donated bouquets. Wow, that's beautiful. And and are you done with that now? Tulips are completely done? Tulips, we are finishing tulips this week. If we could have kept the campaign going, we probably could have done another 1,000, but we just didn't have it in the inventory. Yeah, wow, that's amazing. And what kind of lessons had, did you learn or did you come up come up with best practices to talk about um, safe delivery and, and that sort of thing. Did you have to coordinate with the medical facilities or the hospitals? We left it up to our customers. We made a post and said, Hey, do you, you know, if you work in the hospitals, medical centers and, you know, reach out to us, we have deliveries Mm. and we let our own customers find people they knew that worked. And I think we had enough contacts within just a couple of minutes for all different areas. Wow. What a heartwarming story just to, to basically crowdsource this, this idea by, uh, for example, letting your customers suggest where the donations should go. And, and I'm sure that just blew people away when they received flowers and encouragement in this scary time. The, the stories that we heard back were what kept our team going each week. Um, we had some that we had left on random benches and parks and we each bouquet had a label explaining what that bouquet was and somebody had purchased, you know, purchased it for somebody else. Uh, we had people that had just lost their job that were walking through the park feeling completely hopeless that found the bouquet and said that they instantly smiled and went, we will get through this. Mm. Uh, had ones that had just lost loved ones that had found the bouquets. Um, we made it to nursing homes that hadn't had visitors in a couple of weeks. 
So somehow our bouquets had a mind of their own and finding the people that needed them most. Lindsay, did you have like, when you said you had a little label on them, did you have asked people to like post and, and use a hashtag so you could see where all these flowers ended up? Yes, we actually came up with the hashtag RTF spread, spread the hope. And we asked people to tell us, email us or tell us where you got the bouquet, the story, uh, just kind of share with everybody. And I think that first couple of weeks, we had people telling us every story from the frontline workers, sending us photos of them getting them to CEOs of local hospitals telling us that simple bouquet of flowers changed their entire team's demeanor. Wow. Well, I mean, I could flat fast fast forward in my mind's eye to 2021. Your tulips, you're going to plant more tulips this fall, I'm sure, and you're going to harvest tulips. Do you think that this is going to be the new tulip marketing model? Or like, is it hard? I can't, probably it's impossible to forecast what it's going to look like next year. But you've created, you've created a campaign. Um, we have been asked, actually, if it would be an annual um, spreading the, you know, just continuing to spread the love, hope, and joy because you need it 365 a year. You know, <laughs> right. Not everybody, it just because you're going through uncertain times is when you be nice to people. You should do it all the time. Right. So we wouldn't be surprised if it becomes kind of an annual tradition on the farm, kind of like our peony fest is. Yeah, like maybe one facet of your tulips, but maybe you'll be able to open up the retail store again uh, as well. I don't know. I'm excited to hear what, to see what happens with this. I think, I just feel like you've really tapped into something. I would agree with that. <laughs> so now you've got it typically, okay, we're, we're talking about a month away from when Peony Fest would happen. Talk, talk, me, talk to me about your Peony universe. I mean, how many, how many stems would you typically be harvesting in, in uh, a season? Um, last year, we harvested just over 40,000 stems, which was our largest year to date. Um, most of those plants are anywhere from six to eight years old. We have some that were just a year old last year, so they'll be two years this year, so we don't know what they will produce. Sure. So, so, so you, keep, you keep planting more, it sounds like. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Josh pretty much cringes every time he fall comes and we get a peony delivery because I kind of fudge the numbers to him. And I usually tell him it's like 500, but it's really like 2000. So Gosh. he has to keep figuring out where we're planting these, but it's well, working. You have the acreage though, right? Yeah. So we are doing some field renovations and figuring out what works for us, what's not working, what, what would more of our customers want? And we're starting to pull plants out that they just aren't, you know, selling. Not good performers or whatever. Wow. Correct. So 40,000 plus stems. What, what is your, um, what would Peony Fest, uh, it would continue. You'd have, last year you had over 7,000 people for a two-day event. So this year, were you going to do a two-day event again and, and expect, you know, you know, even more numbers? We expected to do two days again, and we expected more people. People have driven from all over the United States. Last year, we had Texas, Wisconsin, Michigan. It was incredible just to come by peony plants, spend the day with loved ones, and head back on the road. So we expected this year to be bigger. So obviously, you're probably not allowed to open to the public and have retail 
plant and cut flower sales. So what will it, what will you change it to? Um, well, our customers changed it for us. <laughs> Jeez. So, every January we list pretty much our events from tulips to peony season, all of our workshops, floral, um, any events we have at all get listed, including our subscriptions where you can buy a one-time, two-time, three or four weeks subscription of one dozen peonies. So that's been on the website since January. Well, I think that first week we sold out of all the events for peony season. And just in the last four weeks, we've had over 3,400 orders for shipping, local delivery, or farm pickup. So the customers didn't even know if we could or could not have Peony Fest, and they still continued to purchase. That's interesting. So it, they want the flowers. They're, they're willing to, um, well, they just place the order not knowing exactly what, whether your doors would be open or not. Correct. They didn't know, but they wanted to make sure that they were in line to get them. This is so encouraging. And I, I guess for me to, you know, to hear, well, the flowers wait for no one, right? They're, they're going to bloom. So you just have to be the steward of the flowers and figure out how to get them into the hands of the customers who want them. That's correct. And Lindsay, you know, there are other, you know, farms that I've heard of where they're kind of at a loss for how to move their product. Like they're just, uh, because their farmer's market has been shut down or because their, you know, their local florists who typically buy from them are having cancellations of weddings and events, you know, it's sort of the, the sort of the sadder chapters are being told. And I wonder if you have any ad, kind of suggestions or advice or encouragement that you could, um, you could share to help, I don't know, energize someone to, to not sit there and look at the unsold flowers, but to think of how to, how to move them. I mean, I'm wondering if like the donation program is better than, you know, you sold at a discount basically, right? Right. There is, I would say, don't sit back and let the farm fall down around you. There are avenues that might be scary. They're completely worth it. People want the flowers. People want to know you. They want to know the farm. So think outside the box a little bit. If you, you know, do the no contact delivery, even if you've never done it before. People still want it. They will do a drive-through. They'll do flower farm stand at the end of your driveway. Mm. But it's a reason to give up. And especially if some of these flower farmers have never dealt with customers before. They're strictly florist and wholesale. Right. But don't give up. Right. There's plenty of people waiting and looking. So what platform are you selling on? Like maybe if someone has never done direct to the public sales, do they need to create a social website or can they do something really simple like Venmo or, you know, PayPal? Like what do you guys use? We use a Volusion website and it goes through Stripe. Um, or we know a lot of them that do Venmo. Yep. I've, he I've heard of Stripe. If you don't want to get into this big, long program and developing, go to Venmo. Mm -hmm. Their people are still doing it. Do the honor system. Have a box. Let them know how much it is and hope they put the right you know, amount of money in. Wow. So your, your peonies are pretty much spoken for for 2020, it sounds like. Yeah, we anticipated now that we'd have 40,000 this year, maybe plus or minus in case we've had any loss from weather or disease or just the unknown, mm -hmm. um, we are pretty much sold out of all of those without even opening our doors. We do hope that the fields produce more than that and we can open up more spots, but we won't know until they start budding and we're actually into full harvest. 
so you might you might have like a waiting list in or something we have a waiting list right now of almost 300 people wow that's amazing that is so it's just so encouraging and uplifting it's like the hunger for connecting with nature and for you know just organic beauty is is really heightened this year it seems i would yeah it it's, it's all customer driven too. They want, they, we found out exactly what time people look at our Instagram. They don't want to just see the pretty flowers. They want to see Josh in that trench. They want to see all the team working. They want to be there with us as if they were a team member. So we've really driven our whole business around them and what they like, what they're wanting, involving them, having them help us with decisions like the donation, where should we donate? So, yeah, I was going to comment on a couple of things relating to that. Your branding is really strong. And, and, you know, the fact that it's consistent with people wearing the T-shirt, with your logo, all your crew, um, I feel like that's one really recognizable image that I consistently see showing up in your feed. Can you mention a few of the others? Um, we've learned, that, you know, our customers love seeing um, – Actually, Heather does quite a few of our photos with us of the bouquets, mm -hmm. showing you the armful of peonies or tulips and letting you really get an idea of how they all look to, you know, and make them want them. Yeah, it's like they're almost three dimensional when you see those photos. They like push out, like, like push into the through the screen to the to the viewer. Um, Even if you don't know what it is, but you want it because it, it just brings so much joy. Mm hmm. Yeah, that's cool. Wow. Okay. So you mentioned that you have some other crops that you're going to be experimenting with. I, I know you have your woody crops. Is that more of a like fall harvest for willows and, and um, what was the other crop? Dogwood? Uh, willow, dogwood, and winterberry. So we will start that um, usually about November and we will uh, cut all the branches, delete them and process them. And they get shipped all over the world or actually all over the United States. Because so that's a really great product for putting you know, not having to have in water or a hydrating Correct. wrap or something. Yeah. And then we do holiday ever, uh, evergreens, all of your do-it-yourself wreaths, and we also teach uh, wreath classes. Yeah. So maybe that'll happen this year. Maybe you'll be able to open the farm back up this fall for those classes. Um, I hope so. We are certainly hope so, hoping so, but we're also going to be able to still continue with our June events and workshops. Luckily, we keep those classes small that we'll still be able to continue those. Well, uh, tell me what those are more like the design workshops. So Heather will be hosting, I think, two to three floral design workshops. Um, we have a VIP harvest your own peonies. Um, so they will actually learn from Josh kind of from beginning to end about peonies and they'll be in the fields cutting their own two to three dozen. Um, I'm trying to think. And then Kelly Shore from Petals by the Shore is coming in for a weekend of design classes as well. So, so you've, you've got all those on the calendar and they've sold out already, it sounds like. For, they sold out the first week of January. And do you think you'll have to reschedule or postpone them or it's just hard to say right now, right? Um, right now, we actually should be able to proceed with all of them. Oh, wow. In June. Correct. That is, that is great. I wish you a lot of luck with that. Um, and you still have other things to plant, it sounds like. Yes. Heather's <laughs> had a wish list on the farm that she's been wanting to get to, so it's the year to do that. Oh, tell us about that, Heather. So, um, main project 
coming up soon is going to be starting some Dahlia tubers. Um, something we've never really done before, but I really enjoy them. So kind of my little project to work on, obviously it's going to be kind of in the, the scheme of things, the big events that we're having and knowing that the peony madness is coming soon. And that's about the time when we need to plant, but, <laughs> oh well. um, and then trying to do some supplemental flowers to go with it. So doing some experiments with maybe sunflowers, cosmos, zinnias, uh, maybe some eucalyptus and just some fun things for the fall to kind of go in with that. Um, we're so looking to do some bouquets to give to local um, Columbus area to sell through that. So. So uh, I dahlias do pretty well in, in your market, in your region, right? Yes. I, I feel like I've visited farms in Ohio where I've seen dahlias doing really well. So it's more mm -hmm. of just figuring out how to work it into your rotation, it sounds like. Correct. So I think, you know, we're starting on a smaller basis this year, but knowing dahlias, they continue to uh, grow those tubers. So I'm, I'm sure that we will have a plethora at some point. You're right. Um, yeah, you're right. Too, but uh, and keep on his toes that way. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just just don't let uh, Carl create a bet, another bet with you for some other kind of way to sell. <laughs> oh my goodness! Hey, this, this bet continues. We have a bet every peony season on what is the exact day that we start the first harvest of a couple hundred. We're on year five, and Carl is still trying to get in the bet, and he's never won. <laughs> What's the prize, by the way? Uh, $50. Oh, wow. Okay. That's motivating. Well, I wish you luck on that. Uh, uh, I just wanted to ask a couple more questions on the dahlias. Are you putting those, you're not potting those up. You're going to put them in the ground, right? Correct. We're going to go straight into the ground. So that's I've... kind of the issue right now. We're in that lull where we're waiting for the ground to get warmer. Um, but this would be a great time to be able to do it. So this is our first year. We're just going to try them in the ground to see how that goes. Obviously, we know we can upplant them or up-pot them and transfer, but kind of a trial and error at this point. But you've got your customers hungry for what are you going to grow next. So you might as well, you know, be strategic about it and create this dreamy crop that everybody is, is just in love with. Correct. Mm. So, um, before I let you go, I, I have to ask you both what, this is your side hustle, right? I mean, you both have other commitments uh, professionally, right? Yes. What do you do, Lindsay, when you're not on the farm? I, I, when do you sleep? That's what I want to know. There's lack of sleep because I still dream both jobs, even when I'm sleeping. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh my gosh. Crazy. So what do you, what do you do during the day? Um, I work for a custom home builder in town. Uh, we build fairly large homes, typically 10,000 square feet and up. So we are definitely in a different niche, which yeah. I think is what me with red twig farms that we've kind of got our own niche and it works. Wow. So I've kind of followed a little bit of his path of how he's done the business. And he's told me the same thing find your niche, stay in it, continue to grow. And that's what we've been doing. I was going to guess, Lindsay, and I think I do recall that you told me that, that you worked in, in kind of uh, fine home building. I, I, sorry, I forgot. But I was going to guess that you had a job in social media because you obviously can, can do it like a, a, a 
second language that you're comfortable with. I have a degree in marketing and e-commerce. So I yeah. could find coming in handy. <laughs> Great. I'm sure your parents are happy with that, 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 that college degree <laughs> paid off. Right. Oh, my goodness. And how, uh, how about you, Heather? It sounds like you have a, a floral design background. I actually do not. Um, my full-time job, I work in cardiac rehab, so I'm a clinical exercise physiologist. Oh, my goodness. Um, I work with patients at the local hospital systems um, who have had, like, heart surgery, bypass surgery, anything like that. It's more of exercise, education, on diet, lifestyle modification. So that's my full-time job. I actually um, stumbled upon Red Twig Farms on Instagram, of all things, right? Right, um, <laughs> of <yeah>. course. <laughs> Funny how that happens. The marketing goes two ways. Um, so, you know, I think that was almost three years ago mm -hmm. now that they needed help in their um, store. And I applied and I've been here ever since. So it's it's more so family now, I guess you could say, yeah. instead of just a job. Wow. It's something I really do enjoy. Um, so okay. hopefully to take it further at some point, but really have learned everything while I've been here, to be honest. Wow. That's if wonderful. All her designs, you would think she's been doing floral design forever. Yeah, I love that. You both have this right brain, left brain thing going on, and uh, that, that's got to benefit, <laughs> got to benefit everyone who who takes home flowers from Red Twig Farms. Wow. I can't, I, I wish I could come visit. I will be, I will be there at some point in the future, probably not this summer, but, um, I'm just, I'm tempted to say, you know, Memorial Day weekend, 2021, I should figure out how to get there. Cause that's a sight to see. You should. We have um, some Alaskan peony farmers that we're hoping to make it this year to actually help us work the uh, peony fest. So I'm hoping next year they've got it on their calendars. Oh, wouldn't that be cool? Because their timing, is, you're so much earlier than them. That would work out really well. And then that means you'll have to go back and go to Alaska and help help uh, them with their, their harvest, which is a wonderful experience. I've been able to do that myself. Um, I want to thank you also, Lindsay, for uh, Red Twig Farms coming on as a, a supporter of the uh, Slow Flowers Summit. It's just um, a really, a really warmed my heart when you wanted to, you know, support what we're doing and, you know, be obviously you're a Slow Flowers member. And this was just a really incredibly generous gesture uh, that you that you brought to this community. So thank you. We're glad to be part of it. Oh, my goodness. Yes. All right. Well, listen, uh, this has been, uh, my head is spinning. There's so many uh, possibilities and ideas that you've shared just as a demonstration of being resilient. And I think that's what we all have to do right now, given the fact that we really don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. So uh, while we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, our flowers are still blooming. So uh, you've, you've shared some great ways that people can maybe adopt and adapt and uh, you know, try to take lessons from Red Twig Farms. So thank you so much. No matter what, the flowers still need a home. So that's been our drive. That's great. All right. Well, we'll see you online and uh, have uh, good luck with all those peonies that you've got ready to start cutting. <laughs> thank, thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Lindsay. And thank you, Heather. It's been really great to talk with both of you. Thank, thank you. Today we're going to continue the Stories of Resilience series, and I'm really excited that Tara Folker of Splints and Daisies agreed to talk with me today. Hi, Tara. 
Hi, Deborah. Good to connect, even though it would be much more fun in person. <laughs> it would. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, some people may know of Tara as um, the creator of a beautiful sort of fantasy floral cape that was one of our featured botanical couture looks in American Flowers Week a couple years ago and uh, published in Florist Review. And I know you have it on your website, so we'll maybe we'll share that photo with people so they can see one of the gorgeous things you design. You do a lot of, a lot of style shoots, don't you? I do, yeah. It's a, a creative outlet, so it's not just the, the same thing over and over again with weddings. So uh, styled shoots are just a way to express a little more creativity and do something funky. Oh, I love it. And in fact, and on your website, you have under the editorial tab, that's where all of those beautiful visuals. Yeah. I don't know. They're like visual fairy tales and stories. I love them. Um, so that's just my little backstory about, uh, about Tara and how I've been able to collaborate with her. But Tara, tell us a little bit about Splints and Daisies, where you're located and, uh, what's the sort of the makeup of your business? Sure. Um, I am in Mountville. Um, I was in the Lancaster area. I was in Lancaster city for over 10 years. Um, but then we bought a property just right outside the city, um, had a barn, and we um, converted part of the barn into my studio so that I could focus on weddings without the distractions of walk-ins and whatnot. Uh, it's also nice to be able to come to work with my dog every day. So, um, But I've been doing this for 20 years. Um, and like I said, I mean, the focus of my business has been, at least until now, um, primarily weddings and events. Um, with the current situation in the world, we're trying to shift that a little bit. Um, but yeah, for, for the most part, weddings and events are, are where it's at. Uh -huh. And when you say the Lancaster area, you're in Pennsylvania, right? Yeah, Lancaster, Pennsylvania, not Lancaster, California. <laughs> <laughs> and put us on the map, like, uh, what's the largest city? Are you, like, in relationship? Um, I'm about an hour to two hours, depending on traffic, uh, west of Philly. Okay. So you're you're doing weddings in that greater metro area as well as farther out, it sounds like. Yep, Lancaster, Philly area, and honestly, wherever anyone wants to wants to send me. Wow. So uh, I, there's a couple of things that I've enjoyed uh, watching you do uh, since I've gotten to know you. And one is that when I first met you, you uh, definitely were collaborating with local flower farmers to source some of your um, floral material for your designs. But you've kind of shifted more into being a farmer florist than ever before, right? Slightly. Uh, so that's part of why we bought this property. Um, we have just just under two and a half acres, but it's a nice two and a half acres. Um, we have a, a pretty nice growing plot established already, and we're expanding it each year. Um, I have problems with hoarding flowers where <laughs> once I grow them, <laughs> I have a hard time actually cutting them. So I don't know how much of what I grow is actually going to make it into weddings. Um, but it's nice to have that as a backup plan if I can't get from another farmer florist. Um, so I get a lot locally from local farms. Um, and then, you know, with the goal of growing whatever I can, um, I want my focus to actually be a little bit more on woodies and shrubs and things like that. So mm. I have my own foliage to cut. Yeah. Um, flowers kind of secondary to that um, just to, to fill in as needed. Well, you're saying you're just coming up on year two in early May. So it's it's definitely one of those things with perennials where you, you have to give them three to plus years just before you can 
get much. Yeah, better. absolutely. Yeah. I, when we first moved in, um, which we moved in on Cinco de Mayo, which I hear also falls on Taco Tuesday this week, <laughs> this year. Um, <laughs> I, one of the very first things I did was plant a bunch of burgundy peonies. <laughs> and I mean, it's still probably going to be a couple years before uh, they're really, you know, going enough that I can actually cut them for use um, to any scale that makes sense. But until then, they just look pretty. Oh, that's neat. So, even you are a veteran of two decades of being in the industry, and I, and I will have to say, I remember you telling me that you started as a teenager. So you're you're an early early florist. Um, you probably started. I, I was as a, nineteen. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I'm wondering, like, under pre-COVID uh, landscape, what would have 2020 looked like for you with the number of weddings and events? What What was your booking? Uh-huh. Well, 2020 was actually my year to kind of give myself a little bit of breathing room. Um, I started the year with a goal of saving one weekend per month as personal time. Um, that goal didn't happen because, um, <laughs> you know, a client comes along and you fall in love with them and they're that one weekend that you were supposed to have off. So all of a sudden you're like, oh, well, I'm going to book them anyway because they're awesome. Uh, so I didn't achieve that goal originally. And now, um, now with all of this, spring and early summer weddings officially postponed into fall or even into winter or next spring and summer. A lot of people are having to look out a year or so um, from their original wedding date just to be able to have a date available at their venue. Um, so before all of that, my 2020 was definitely full. Um, now it's full to the to the brink of I'm probably going to cry in the fall oh. a lot. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my so, gosh. You mean like how mo- many weddings? Like multiple weddings per weekend kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was trying to really prevent that from happening this year. So I could take some time to, you know, just kind of get my focus, um, grow a lot more and just honestly just have a little bit of breathing room. I've done that to myself in years past where I've given myself no breathing room over the summer. So I don't get to enjoy any of the fun summer activities. Um, so, but now it's, it's definitely back to, you know, multiple weddings in a week and it, it'll be interesting. <laughs> uh, and also you probably have to redesign the entire, um, palette. Like the, the, you know, the peony wedding is now going to be the Dahlia wedding or something like that. Right. Yeah. There's a lot of those situations. Um, it's worked out in favor for a few of the girls. Um, I've had a, peonies are definitely a popular wedding flower and a lot of girls want them. And sometimes I have to break their heart and tell them, well, they're not really available in September. <laughs> uh, so some of the, some of the girls are getting the bonus of, oh, now you're late May of 2021. Hey, guess what? You can have those peonies now. Um, so, but it's worked both ways. I've had to, you know, tell them what is and isn't available uh, regardless. Wow. So, but a lot of the, a lot of the color palettes are being rethought where it was a summer wedding. Now it's a dead of winter wedding. We obviously want to think things up a little bit and change it so that it's fitting with the season. So this is kind of a, a nuts and bolts question, Tara, but um, like that takes more design work on your time. Are you able to capture any of that, compens- any compensation for that? Or what choices have you made to to deal with that reality? Yeah, so I guess... I guess the shorter answer is no. Um, it's, I guess, kind of like a, like we're all saying, we're all in this together. So I'm just trying to work with the clients and do the best thing I possibly can. Um, the policy I actually established um, back in, what was that, mid-March when everything happened. Um, I was about to say a bad word there. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, 
uh, basically I established the policy of what made sense for me was that if they uh, postponed their wedding prior to April 30th of 2021, I would not have any increase in rates. Um, just because that all is kind of April to April is kind of one wedding season for me. And then starting next year, you know, it would start in May. So for any of the couples who had to postpone for whatever reason, after April 30th of 2021, I count that as a new wedding season. And although I'm still happy to work with them, it is of course, then eating into next year's revenue of how many clients I can book. So of course I had to figure out a way to make it fair to everyone involved. That plus, you know, it's life. Things go up in cost every year. It's, that's just how it is. So I decided on it, depending on the date, it was a 10 to 12% increase fee if they booked after April 30th of 2021. Uh, and so far I have not gotten any pushback on that. It's, I mean, it's obviously a very understandable and I think fair compromise. Um, so everyone has been perfectly fine with that. Wow. I like that. I mean, I think it really boils down to just communicating so that there's no surprises and then Exactly. There's been a lot of communication and honestly, everything has been case by case because there's no rules right now (laughs) and no one has taught any of us how to properly deal with this. So I think we're making it up as we go. Wow. I I like, I like that, um, that kind of driven by your, you're basically driving decisions by what season that wedding falls into. And through early spring, the end of April of next year, you can kind of consider that still part of the 2020 wedding season. Exactly. Yeah. So what are you doing right now in terms of like creating, uh, you know, having a creative outlet for yourself and maybe creating some revenue for yourself? Um, you know, here it is at the end of, we're talking on April 30th, but this will probably air right before Mother's Day. Yeah. So right now, um, I've been crying sometimes, drinking probably too much wine, um, and getting random buckets of flowers from a local flower farm or cutting whatever I have available and just making some fun arrangements and then ripping them apart and making them again, just to keep myself designing and keep myself occupied. Um, but other than that, yes, mother's day, um, surprisingly I've been getting more delivery requests now, um, than I probably ever have before. I think it's just people are trapped in their houses. They want to spread cheer. So they're ordering for themselves or to send to someone, um, but I mean, for instance, this week I've had a, have a delivery every day this week. Um, it would have been nice if they would have all picked one day that I could have cranked it out, <laughs> right. but you know, w- one per day, whatever. But yeah, for mother's day next week, we're actually, um, we're not making profit from our orders. We have a ton of orders, but what we actually did is, um, there is a caterer in the area, Scarlet Runner Catering, and they have been cooking meals for families in need free of charge and delivering them. Um, and they are starting to run out of funds to be able to do that. They've been relying just on donations. So we actually, um, our Mother's Day sales, all of the profit, I'm, of course, going to cover my cost because, <laughs> uh, you know, no income coming in. I right. don't really also want to be just giving it away. Um, but all of the profits from our sales are actually being donated to Scarlet Runner to help them have funds available to cook these meals that they're doing for free. Um, so we've had a great response with Mother's Day orders. Uh, it's going to be a fun week next week. Bonus, I get to play with lots of flowers. Bonus for them, they get to feed people. Bonus for everyone ordering the flowers, they get flowers. Wow. So, That's cool. Yeah, I saw you had a, a, a nice post on your Instagram feed, which we'll share with people so they can see how you're doing it. Um, is it a set price for the arrangement? You have two different price levels, right? 
Yeah, so I started with um, offering either an $85 arrangement in a really pretty gold vase that I got in specifically for Mother's Day orders um, or a $50 loose bunch. And those loose bunches, honestly, they don't have to spend time arranging them when they arrive either. I'm kind of making them almost like a bridesmaid bouquet where it's hand-tied and wrapped up so they could literally just plop it right in the vase without any worry. Um, we sold out of the arrangements because realistically, I've got two people helping me deliver I need to, you know, obviously be realistic of what can fit in a vehicle. Um, you know, the, the girls that are helping me, they don't have vans. They have cars. Yeah. A loose bunch fits a lot easier than an arrangement. So I didn't want to go crazy on the arrangements and then it'd be a delivery fiasco. Um, so we sold out of the arrangements. But since I knew some people wanted more than just $50 worth of flowers for the loose bunch, I changed the whole option partway through to here's a $84 loose bunch put it in your own vase. And um, people have been happy with that too. Um, we were pretty well just kind of going to call the cap on it soon and just mark it all as sold out. Cause I also want to be realistic as to what can actually physically happen in one week by myself, since I don't have anyone in here helping me design. So you might have, you have some help with deliveries, but you're p- producing all the arrangements. Yeah. Producing myself um, oh. and then help with the deliveries. And yeah, for those I'll be getting each girl ready, you know, here's yours, put it in your car yourself. Here's your pile. You put it in your car. So that way there's, you know, no contact going on. Um, and, you know, obviously making sure everything is clean, you know, delivering with masks on so that they're not breathing on the flowers and, you know, all that fun stuff. <laughs> yeah. So is there like a, a, a curbside, curbside deliveries are permitted, no contact deliveries are permitted in, in your state? Yeah, so that has been my understanding, um, especially for me, since I am no longer a flower shop with open to the public hours or anything. I'm just a studio. Um, cur- curbside delivery, I mean, we're dropping them on the porches and running. We're not yeah. even ringing the doorbell. So there's literally no contact. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there, there's no problem with that since, you know, it's, it's a, a one-man show. So um, I'm just curious. Uh, I, I know you're going to harvest some of those bouquet ingredients from your yard, but how many other farmers are you able to source from right now? It's pretty early still in Pennsylvania. Yeah, so there's actually been a lot. Um, I mean, honestly, ever since you know the whole COVID thing started, I've been able to get local flowers. Um, Marcy of Riverside Blooms, she's only a couple miles from me. It's less than 10 minutes away. Um, she has her hoop houses and everything. Uh, so she's been having anemones, ranunculus, um, tons of pretty stuff there. Uh, I've been getting some from Katie at Rustic Bunch, um, kind of the same, same sort of drill, you know, anemones, ranunculus and tulips and whatnot thrown in. Um, I think, um, for the, for the most part, my mother's day flowers are going to be coming from Marcy. She's actually going to be, um, giving a reduced cost to help with part of the donation going to Scarlet Runner. So, um, we kind of worked out that deal that will be, you know, the donation will be in honor of both of us. Oh, that's um, lovely. There are quite a few, um, uh, flower farmers in the area. So it's been really convenient to be able to get really nice product. Okay, so what does it look like after Mother's Day? Are you going to become a delivery maven? I mean, is that I know that wasn't in the original uh, script. Yeah, so it's it's never been my goal, never been my desire. Um, I mean, honestly, when I'm designing weddings, if it's just a random delivery here or there, and I have to take you know an hour or so out of my day to to make it, go deliver it, and everything like that, it's really just it's not worthwhile. Um, but since there's no weddings happening right now. I kind of had to change that up and, um, yeah, absolutely. We'll be taking delivery requests, um, you know, as, as many as we can possibly do. And that's reasonable. Um, 
as far as how long we'll be doing that, who knows? I mean, if things, you know, back in late summer or early fall go back to normal of weddings, I'm once again, I'm going to be too busy to really be, I guess, to, so to say, bothered with those requests. But until that point comes, absolutely, we're doing as many deliveries as people would like to send us. And what's your, like, radius? What will you, how far will you go? 20 miles or so or 10? Yeah, yeah, I... Yeah, um, I think um, I'm going to be trying to update my website here soon to have some options for delivery bouquets on there. Mm. Uh, And I think it's probably going to be something like, you know, from zero to 10 miles, here's the delivery fee. And if it's 10 miles to 20 miles away, here's the delivery fee. If you want me to go further than that, sure, if you're willing to pay. But Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh, I mean, I think really it just kind of has to become realistic as to how, how far away that request is. Right, right. Because right now you don't have any commerce component on your website. Is that what you meant when you said you're going to update your website? Yeah, I don't have any kind of commerce component on there. Uh, no shopping cart, you know, not even where people can go and pick out an arrangement and say, hey, I want to send that and then call with a credit card. Um, most of everything I do is designer's choice. So I'm not completely sure how I'm going to do that yet. Maybe just put an example of, hey, this is something along the lines of what you'll get for an $85 arrangement. Oh, you want to spend $150? Probably something like this Mm -hmm. and have example pictures, but not be committed to this is exactly what I'm going to spend. Well, I think saying designer's choice and seasonal flowers should be enough for people. Your aesthetic is so beautiful. And seeing an example that maybe just gives them a sense of how many stems are included. Is, is that sort of what you're thinking about what yeah. how, how people choose? Yeah. yeah, and a lot of people are not quite used to doing it like that because, you know, things like 1-800-Flowers where you go on, there's a whole complete pile of pictures and here's the price and this is exactly what you get even though, you know, we all know that that never really goes how it goes anyway. (laughs) But um, So I think a lot of it is just education. Like when people are confused of, well, what kind of flowers are you going to put in it? What color is it going to be? How big is it? What is this? Can I have this? Can I have that? I think a lot of it just goes to education of, you know, please trust me. I've been doing this a while. Designer's choice means you're going to get something beautiful. And if we can leave it at that, I promise to impress you. (laughs) So I think some of it is just the education of changing the way people view how they should be ordering flowers. Yeah. Yeah. You've been so adaptable in less than two months. I mean, I just, I think that your story is going to resonate with people who are listening, who are in the same exact boat, trying to find a way to create some revenue for themselves and obviously just be out there in the marketplace. So when, when the floodgates open up and it's post COVID people remember you and come back to you. That's my hope. (laughs) That is my hope. (laughs) Wow. And you are spending a little more time than ever before in your garden. I'm, I'm pretty sure. Absolutely. I've been outside every day that's possible. (laughs) Well, before we go, I just have to ask you about something that I saw on your Instagram feed where you did an, a, IGTV live demo of an arbor or something like that. Tell me about the, uh, what you did. Yeah, yeah, that was with uh, Sue from Fresh Design Florist. Um, she's in the Philly area, a good friend of mine. Um, she's been doing live on Instagram every day since all of this madness started. Um, one of the wholesalers in the area needed to pretty much just empty out their warehouse and gave her a crap ton of flowers. Uh, she, I think she said it took her a week just to process them all. That's how many flowers she had. Oh my gosh. Um, so to make, make use of those flowers, she's been doing live demos every day since this started. And she started joining, having other people join her. So it's like a, a joint live demo, um, which I didn't even know was a thing until like a week <laughs> ago when she asked me to join her. 
so yeah, it was just, just two days ago in my backyard. Um, I did a live demo with Sue of, um, obviously, you know, remotely with Sue, um, of a foam free Arbor. I had cherry blossoms, Japanese maple, and then just beautiful local flowers. Um, again, from Riverside blooms. Oh, I see. So, uh, so, she, giving... so she kind of brought you on to her feed, but you weren't together. Yeah. You were, were se- yeah. working we're together. We, we were together, but separate. <laughs> so she, she was at her own place and just kind of, you know, walking me through and, um, it was on her feed. Um, but then the screen was split and it was me doing the actual designing, um, demo of the Arbor. <laughs> um, so, and I think most of the people watching were probably newer florists, just looking for some education, um, during the downtime of how to, right. how to do things like that. Right. Um, especially going foam free, um, it's been, become a trend lately, which is great because that is a wonderful trend. Um, and so a lot of people are confused as to how to make that work though. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was great to just be able to do a demo and give some education to people. And it was a lot of fun. And you got a little bit out of your comfort zone. I did. I did. Yeah. I'm fine with talking to people. Uh, I've been doing it <laughs> all my life. I've been, I've, taught a lot of classes, all kinds of things since I was very young. And I'm perfectly fine with talking in public. It was, there was a weird aspect of, I was basically talking in public, but I couldn't see anyone. And it freaked me out a little at first, but I I was okay with it at the end. (laughs) Oh, good. Well, I hope you do some more of them on your own feed so we can, we can find and follow you. I'm hoping to. (laughs) That's awesome. Well, thank you for such a great conversation and just some really smart tips that you've shared that will help um, hopefully help listeners who are either florists, farmer florists, or even farmers kind of look at how to partner up with somebody, how to do something that's good for your community, and also how to sustain your own business. So you are sustaining and, uh, and resilient. And I love, I love hearing that. And I know we're going to have a, a, a happy conversation about weddings sometime in the future. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> great. Thank you so much, Tara. This has been great. Absolutely. Thank you, Deborah. It's always wonderful talking with you, and I hope to see your face soon. Doesn't yes. sound like it's going to happen at the end of June, but there'll yeah. be another time. I will have more news on the Slow Flower Summit very soon. Um, but in the meantime, will you share some photos of, of some of these uh, arrangements? If, since you have to photograph them for your website do over maybe you'll have something that you can um let us show on um in the show notes for today's episode absolutely great okay thanks so much and um here's to surviving mother's day and making a lot of moms happy yeah all right thank you so much deborah thanks take care How great to learn two Mother's Day floral strategies from Slow Flowers members in Ohio and Pennsylvania. The local connections being made are so important and are deepening ties between where flowers are grown and the ways floral consumers can enjoy them while supporting floral agriculture. These indeed are stories of resilience. Our next sponsor thanks goes to Rooted Farmers. Rooted Farmers works exclusively with local growers to put the highest quality specialty cut flowers in floral customers hands when you partner with rooted farmers you're investing in your community and you can expect a commitment to excellence in return learn more at rootedfarmers.com our slow flowers member virtual meetups continue to provide value and engagement as a member benefit last friday on may 1st we also discussed mother's day strategies with three guests on our zoom virtual meetup 
thank you to floral designer Kelly Shore of Petals by the Shore and flower farmers Sarah Dakin and Tom Precht of Grateful Gardeners. Both businesses are based in Maryland, and these floral entrepreneurs joined the meetup to share about new strategies to adapt and sustain their businesses. After we wrapped up last Friday's virtual meetup, I received a heartfelt note from a member who has been regularly attending these sessions. Here's the note. Today's meeting was lovely as always. I almost had to miss the meetup because of business, and in this climate, on my end, today was like a Mother's Day. I noticed that I was bothered to be missing the meetup because it has become part of my Friday ritual and routine, mainly because of how good I feel after each meeting. So thank you for what you continue to do for Flower People. This member tapped into the true secret sauce of the value of being a Slow Flowers member. Of course, if you can't join us in real time, you can watch the replay video of our May 1st meetup. I'll share the link in today's show notes for episode 452. Please join me at the next Slow Flowers virtual meetup this Friday, May 8th at our original time, 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern. I can't wait to see you there. Our special guest will be Rita Jo Schultz of Alaska Perfect Peonies based in Fritz Creek, Alaska, outside of Homer. Alaska Perfect Peonies is a longtime Slow Flowers member. Rita Jo is also the chair of Certified American Grown Council, and she's joining us to talk about some of the policymaking and regulatory issues facing domestic floral agriculture today. You can find the link to join us on May 8th in today's show notes. You can also find it in our Instagram profile, and we'll also share the link on our Slow Flowers Facebook page and in the Slow Flowers community page on Facebook. Our next sponsor thanks goes to Johnny Selected Seeds, an employee-owned company that provides our industry the best flower, herb, and vegetable seeds supplied to farms large and small, and even backyard cutting gardens like mine. You can find the full catalog of Johnny's Seeds at johnnyseeds.com. The Slow Flowers podcast has been downloaded more than 602,000 times by listeners like you. Thank you for listening, commenting, and sharing. It means so much. As our movement gains more supporters and more passionate participants who believe in the importance of the American cut flower industry, the momentum is contagious. I know you feel it too. I value your support and invite you to show your thanks with a donation to support my ongoing advocacy, education, and outreach activities. You can find the donate button in the column to the right at deborahprinzing.com. I'm Deborah Prinzing, host and producer of the Slow Flowers podcast. Next week, you're invited to join me in putting more American-grown flowers on the table, one vase at a time. And if you like what you hear, please consider logging on to iTunes and posting a listener review. The content and opinions expressed here are either mine alone or those of my guests alone, independent of any podcast sponsor or other person, company, or organization. The Slow Flowers podcast is engineered and edited by Andrew Brenlin. Learn more about his work at soundbodymovement.com. Music